touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Rams Nation, what's happening? What's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Locked On Rams. This is the Tuesday edition of Locked On Rams, and we are off and running for the week. I just got finished watching the Seahawks look pretty, pretty pathetic against the Bears. Obviously, we know the Rams are now 2-0. They sit on top of the division with a two-game lead on the Seahawks and the Cardinals. Niners are just one game back, but not a bad spot to be after two weeks. We got a great show for you today. We're going to catch up on some injuries, some transactions that happened, some injuries that came from out of that game. We're going to hear from Sean McVay and his press conference as he fields some questions about Jamon Brown coming back and what are we going to do with Blythe. Before we get going, guys, make sure to go hit the subscribe button. iTunes, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts, share with a friend, tag your buddy, all the new people that are joining us. Welcome. Thank you so much. Also, you can find us on basically every social media platform there is. Facebook, Lockdown Rams. We've got a group. We've got a page. Instagram, Twitter, both Lockdown Rams. LockdownRams at gmail.com. And then your boy, LA underscore Rambling Bear on Twitter. Great week of shows for you. Tomorrow, we're crossing over. We're keeping it in town. LA crossover edition. With the boys from Locked On Chargers, that's David, Daniel, and John. We talked to them in the offseason. We had a good chat with them, so I'm excited to have them back on. Talk this upcoming matchup at the Coliseum, an all-LA edition. So I'm excited to hear their thoughts on the game. They pulled one out in Buffalo. Probably was a little bit closer than it should have been. They're banged up. There's probably going to be no Joey Bosa, which is good news for us. But we'll pick their brain on the matchup and what we can expect on this coming Sunday at the Coliseum. And then that's followed by Vinny Bonsignor on Thursday, and then Serena Morales on Friday. And next thing you know, we're playing football on Sunday. So don't forget, Lockdown Rams got your back Monday through Friday. Your team, every day. One last network plug before we get going, guys. Don't forget the new Fantasy Football Show has launched. It's the crew from Fantasy Football 24-7. They're joining the network. They're teaming up with Vinny Lyre. And they've got a great week of shows. On Monday, it's Tom Kesnich from High Stakes Takeaways. On Tuesday, it's Eric Edholm on the weekly waiver wire. You're going to want to tune into that one. He helped me out last week when I had some waiver wire desperation pickups. And then Wednesday is Jeff Radcliffe on matchup focus, kind of breaking down the biggest games. Thursday is Tyler Loeschner, and he's going to tell you who to start, who to sit, Daily fantasy stuff. It's a great week of shows over there at the Fantasy Football Show, so check them out. I actually just snuck out of my fantasy football matchup due to this Monday night game. Yes, I have Russell Wilson. I'm not excited about it. And I realized he's probably going straight to my bench after this performance and knowing who they have in the next coming weeks. I had Matt Ryan drop like 35 on my bench. So just just for all scenarios, it's going to make me feel better not to have to trust in the Seahawk. But I did have that Rams defense, and boy, did they make me happy. Well, as we shift our focus here and start talking some news and information, things that have happened today, we all know that Greg Zerline was injured, groin, before the game even kicked off. He said something didn't feel right, so they ended up going with Johnny Hecker. They went for two. Sean McVay talked about this in the press conference. He was kind of asked about, you know, does it make you feel more confident moving forward wanting to go for two? I mean, you guys were pretty successful when you tried to do it. 
Or did you run out of plays? You know, a lot of those coaches try to hold those play calls for later in the year. And he said, yeah, of course. Even it gives them a different mindset when they're on fourth and short, maybe in the middle of the field, that they can go and pick up two yards or a yard if need be. And he continued to go on about that's their mindset is this aggressive nature that they want to have as a football team. So being able to succeed and be put on the spot, really, in this game on Sunday to be able to do that, it really gives them some confidence moving forward, which is a good thing for us as we want an aggressive football team and you know someone to really trust in his team to go pick up two yards when they are needed, maybe late in the game. So we'll have to keep an eye on that to see what situations come up over the next few weeks or throughout the season where maybe he might not have gone for it originally, but you could look back to this game and go, you know, those certain little things gave him confidence moving forward. But as far as Zerline, he is out a couple weeks Here's what McVeigh had to say on the injury to open the press conference and what we can expect with Sam Ficken moving forward. When you look at the, the injuries from yesterday, Greg Zerlines, you know, it looks like he's going to be out for a few weeks. So we did sign Sam Ficken, place Mike Thomas on IR as a result of that move. Um, and we'll, get, we'll have a little bit better idea of exactly how long that'll be once we get those full MRI results. But we're expecting it to at least be a few weeks. And we'll move forward with Sam and got a lot of confidence in him. And it's good that we've, he's kind of been through you know, uh, some experience with us playing in games that, that are very, very important, which we know this next one is. And um, you know, got a lot of confidence in him. And, and Greg will get back you know, hopefully sooner than later. And we'll embrace that when that, when that time comes. How did that unfold with Sam? How soon did you guys, where it was John on the phone with him, or were you guys making contact with him? Yeah, I mean, really, as soon as you know, as soon as you felt like, all right, he got his groin pretty good, and he's going to be out for a couple weeks. Um, I would, I would imagine. I mean, we had contact with him. I knew, you know, right after the game that, that we had already reached out to him. He was still in the area, so worked out in our favor, and, and uh, we were able to get that done pretty quickly. Is, is there anything that changes with Thicken versus Zerline, just to, in terms of are you more aggressive or less aggressive with play calling? Yeah, I think you got a lot of confidence in, in Sam, and he's shown that he's a good kicker. Uh, but, you know, certainly you don't take for granted the fact that, you know, you're talking about Greg, you know, smashes a 55-yarder on the dirt in Oakland. So his, his range and different things like that are what make him unique and special. And, and while you do have confidence in Sam and uh, his experience that he's had with us, uh, Greg is, you know, one of the best kickers in this league, if not the best, you know, for a reason. So I think there is a little bit of a different mindset, but by no means does that mean you don't have confidence in Sam Rich. A couple of their quick notes on that to make sure we mention. Also, Mike Thomas was placed on IR due to that move McVay mentioned. But that leaves us with four active wide receivers on the team, which is crazy. Another reason why I thought we would be maybe a little bit more aggressive and interested and possibly kick the tires on a Josh Gordon trade. Uh, we heard today that he's going to the New England Patriots. I would say the rich get richer, but their wide receiver group is pretty poor. But in general, we understand their organization and Tom Brady. And anytime you can put those type caliber players together, in my mind, this flashes me back to when Randy Moss went there and people were like, oh, Randy Moss is washed up and he'll only be there for a year and he'll, then they'll move on. He was there for four years. They set records together. When Tom Brady is given a monster deep ball threat, it's a dangerous thing for that AFC. I'm glad we're in the NFC right now and we can potentially see them later down the road, very far down the road. But if I'm in that division, I'm not excited about those two hooking up on Sundays. I'm interested to see how that comes together. Again, as we mentioned fantasy, I got Josh Gordon on my team. So a definite upgrade as far as your quarterback in your situation if you're Josh Gordon. Hopefully he can stay out of trouble. We're not sure about that quad still if he can get healthy. That's going to be a one-two combo that's going to be fun to watch. 
we do not have any shortage of one-two combos here on the Rams that are fun to watch. Our offense is loaded with them all over the field, but pretty thin at the wide receiver position right now. McVay talked about it, something they're probably going to look into. He doesn't really know. There's still a lot of moving pieces because they're not sure what Greg's timeline is with his groin injury, if, if they're going to need to place him on IR. We brought Jamon Brown back to the roster. We're going to talk about him a little bit later on the show. But before we move on, I want to talk to you guys about mybookie.ag. Don't forget, we love them here at Locked On Rams. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Mybookie.ag, rock solid rep. They pay out super fast. They have in-game live betting, which is my favorite. And they've got a new promo code for you guys, just the Locked On listeners. Before they were matching deposits for new customers only, now they're giving you $25 on top of your next deposit. All you have to do is enter the promo code LOCKEDON25 to get that extra 25 bucks. I love it because I haven't been able to really use their codes because I've been a member for so long. But now I got a LOCKEDON25. They're going to give me 25 bucks for my next deposit. Got some great matchups this week. We're going to talk some of those over with the LOCKEDON Chargers boys. So again, mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON25. Remember to use the promo code LOCKDOWN25. That way you're getting $25 on top of whatever you're depositing. Tell them Bears sent you. And can someone please send me like a guaranteed win on the side? Your brother's struggling right now. All right, one more quick word from a sponsor. We're going to be back on the other side. We still got some fun Ram stats, some pro football stuff to look at. And, of course, we got to talk about Jamon Brown being back and what is McVay going to do at that right tackle position. That and more coming up after the break. We'll be right back. All right, Rams Nation, this is your host, Bear Motter, the Tuesday edition of Locked On Rams. We are back and got some more goodies for you. Victory Mondays are always a blast. So much excitement going around on social media and everyone getting hyped and, and then digging through all of the data and releasing a bunch of awesome stats for us to kind of look over and talk about. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to talk about some of the awesome things that I found from the web, different people tweeting out amazing things about the Rams, as well as I've got some really good in-depth pro football focused stuff that I've kind of sifted through and I'm going to pull the best out for you. So we'll get started with pro football focus because they're friends of the show and their information is just so nerdy and awesome. And when your team performs as well as the Rams with the 34 to nothing win, the stats even look better. So first we'll just start with who I gave my game ball to yesterday and that's Brandon Cooks. He finished with the highest graded offensive player with at least 10 snaps played with an 87.3. He was targeted seven times in between the numbers, and of those seven receptions, six of them went for first downs. Now that is clutch. Through two games, Cooks averages 3.67 yards gained per route in 67 snaps in route. That puts him third among 53 receivers with at least 10 targets. Talking about needing that big play number one wide receiver, even if he's not getting the 50-yard chunks at a time, this guy's moving the sticks, and his top three among those receivers at that category. That's making me feel pretty good about that first round pick we gave up. Staying on the offense side of the ball, veteran tackle Andrew Whitworth saw himself playing all 72 snaps in that victory over the Cardinals, one of the few O-lines. As you saw Allen come into the game late to play center. Back to Whitworth, of those 72 snaps, 36 were pass blocking snaps and not one of those snaps yielded a quarterback pressure. Andrew Whitworth with a clean slate there. Of the group, Whitworth was the only starting offensive lineman not to allow our quarterback pressure. 
and finished the game with an 89.1 pass blocking grade, which is amazing. That number gave him the highest pass blocking grade he's earned since joining the Rams in 2017 and his first game since week 10 of last season to allow zero pressures. So hopefully he gets back on that streak because he started out hot last year, allowing no pressures. And then near the end, uh, people started to get to him a little bit. So hopefully he gets back on that hot streak. That offensive line has been amazing for us in general. But then you can add you know, leaders like this at the left tackle position, guarding Jared Goff's blind side. Our offensive line has been unreal so far which we'll get to a little bit more here because there's some controversy brewing. Switching over to the other side, we finally got a glimpse of Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue, what they can do against O-lines. Combined, they generated nine of the defense's 15 total quarterback pressures, five for Sue and four for Donald, respectively. Donald added four defensive stops on top of that just to edge Sue in the overall grade, 92.3, to Sue's 90, which was also his highest graded game since week two of the 2017 season. So they were on fire. Well, everyone was on fire, but it looked good. Now, as we talk about that dangerous secondary, throwing at cornerback Aqib Tlaib was not a good idea on Sunday. Tlaib played 21 snaps in coverage against the Cardinals and saw three targets as the primary defender. And I don't think I need to tell you, but he didn't allow one catch and broke up two other targets with a passer rating of 39.6 through two games and has only been targeted five times and has only allowed one catch for 12 yards. Marcus Peters and Tlaib combined have only gave up 37 yards through two weeks. Looking down the list of cornerbacks, 85 different cornerbacks in the league have allowed more than that just by themselves. So these two together are special. Again, not a lot of people throw in their direction. We saw a lot of early runs from first and second down from the Cardinals on Sunday. Expect to see some of the same from the LA Chargers as they come in and try to probably take over some ball control as we've realized that is one of the only ways to beat the Rams or try to beat the Rams is control the ball like the Raiders did in the first half. Because if we don't have it, we can't score. Well, maybe that's not true because we did see Peters with a pick six in game one. Our defense is nasty enough to score that way. But with Phillip Rivers coming in town, I'm looking back at some of those old Marcus Peters highlights and a lot of those interceptions were against that guy. So I'm excited to see What's going to happen at the Coliseum? And I want to pick the brain of the boys over at Locked On Chargers and hear what their thoughts are because I know they're pretty familiar with Marcus Peters seeing him a couple times a year, just a year ago. So I got a couple other cool stats that I've seen. Rich Hammond, who covers the Rams, had tweeted out a couple fun stats I want to read. The Rams have scored at least 30 points in 10 of the 18 games under Sean McVay. Looking back, they reached 30 points in 11 of 77 games under Jeff Fisher. It's just a different era of football right now, and scoring points was not something Fisher was known for. All right, these next couple stats came from J.B. Long. He always puts up awesome stuff the day after the game, and, and these ones really caught my attention. He had mentioned McVay has only lost once when he was able to run more plays than the opposition, and that was the game the Rams had five turnovers, most in his tenure, and dropped a potential game-winning touchdown in the end zone in spite of all those turnovers, and that was Cooper Cup who dropped it in the end zone. McVay is also unbeaten, unbeaten, when the Rams do not lose the turnover battle. In fact, he's only been beaten once when LA's turnover margin was minus one or better, and that was that Minnesota game on the road, which, again, came down to the fourth quarter. Another fun McVay stat, and J.B. Long preferenced this with, he's not a big fan of this stat. He thinks it's a superficial stat, not particularly telling. But however, McVay is unbeaten when winning the time of possession. 
And you could tell, again, as we talked not too long ago, I think that's what the Raiders were trying to do, just keep the ball out of his hands, and that might be your best shot to beat us. But when we win that time of possession battle, McVay is undefeated. Couple more, kind of jumping back over to our nasty defenses. Opposing quarterbacks have completed 57% of their passes to wide receivers against the LA Rams. Zero touchdowns for two interceptions, just 4.7 yards per target. Only two passes completed to wide receivers beyond 10 yards. And we said wide receivers there because Cook kind of had himself a nice day. But our cornerbacks are definitely holding it down. And we might as well end with my boy Brandon Cooks. His 246 yards receiving are the most by any Rams player in the first two games of the season since Isaac Bruce back in 1998. And he had 323 yards. So Cooks is off to an amazing start. We're excited to see where he can go from here. Hopefully, Jared Goff continues to go that way. One of the things that I love most about it is the targets he's getting. Regardless, Jared Goff is looking his way early and often. Hopefully, that will continue on. Speaking of continuing on, we've got some more just around the corner. We're going to step aside for a quick word from our sponsors. We'll be back with our third segment. We're going to talk about what is McVay going to do with this Austin Blythe situation. He's played so well. You almost feel like he's played himself into a starting position. McVay addresses it. We're going to play that clip, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit. We'll be right back with more on the other side. All right, Rams Nation, we are back. It is the Tuesday edition of Lockdown Rams. I'm your host, Bear Motter. This is our third segment. Bring in the show home today. Don't forget, we've got an awesome week still ahead of us. Locked on crossovers tomorrow. We got the boys from the Chargers on. Excited to talk to them about the matchup. Really pick their brain on what they can expect for this game on Sunday. And maybe talk a little bit of crap. Why not, right? Fight for LA. I gotta, I gotta play my role here, too. Then we got Vinny Bonsignor on for our Thursday edition, followed by Serena Morales on our Friday hype edition, getting you guys ready for the game on Sunday. But talking about that game on Sunday, we got to think, who's going to be at right guard? Because Jermon Brown is back. He was activated again. He's rejoined the team. He's on kind of what Aaron Donald was on, where he's got a roster exempt for a little bit. But soon, the Rams are going to have to make a move and release another player to make room for him on the active roster. McVeigh was asked about it at the press conference today, which I love the question, by the way. What are you going to do? Austin Blythe has been playing out of his mind. Jamon Brown was solid for us last year, and you know we know he can handle that position, but is he good enough to really just get the spot back when he comes back? I don't know. Well, here's what Sean McVeigh had to say on that whole dilemma and how he's going to approach it. You know, when you look at it, we're going to kind of evaluate those things this week. I think Austin's played really good football. Um, you know, Jamon, as far as getting him back into the rhythm and different things like that, we will be mindful of that with how we practice this week. And, um, you know, those are things that we'll see as the week progresses. I think he's played really good football, talking about Austin. You know, and, and I think Jamon Brown, what we feel good is, is this is a situation where we feel like we have two starting caliber guards. Uh, as far as how we move forward, Rich, uh, it's, not a, it's not a, you know, a result of anything Jamon hasn't done. But the fact that this is, these are decisions that aren't very clear cut is because of Austin's play. He's played so well. He's done such a great job. We talk about how, um, how instrumental Cromer has been with those guys in terms of the development. And, uh, you know, you see really all these guys are continuing to improve week in and week out. But, but Austin's done a really nice job. And we feel like we've got two starting caliber players in Austin and, and Jamon. Okay, Mr. McVeigh, I'm picking up what you're laying down. I will not be surprised when Austin Blythe is out there to start the game. 
week three, even though Jamon Brown is active, it sounds like they want to get him back into the flow of things. You know, obviously at some point they're probably going to start to throw him some reps at practice with the first string guys. But like he said, they think they got two starting caliber right guards. This offense line is playing really well together. Why shake it up now for a guy who, no offense, but I don't know if he's ever played as good as Austin Blythe is playing right now. Last year, he played well, but Austin Blythe is doing some things right now. This might turn into one of those situations where, yeah, we've got some great depth and we hope we don't have to see injury, but if we do, we've got some people we can you know, shake across the line and, and fill in some spots. But for now, until Austin Blythe shows us a reason why he shouldn't be in there, I think McVay's going to leave him in. And I don't think you're going to want to start messing with, you know, oh, you play a quarter or half, and then he'll come in the second half, and we'll kind of evaluate, like, an old college quarterback controversy or something. I think it's kind of blithe until he shows a reason not to. So if he has a couple bad performances, or maybe if he really has a bad half, I don't know how short the leash is with McVay right now, but... Like he said in that press conference, it's not so much what Brown hasn't done, but it's what Austin's done to make it a really hard decision. So this is going to be a fun week to follow along. Make sure to keep checking us out, guys, throughout the week. We've got some Rams insiders coming in later on the week. As McVeigh has more press conferences, I'll make sure to continue to pull some audio and we can talk some things over. But we've got some roster moves to potentially make here whether that's releasing a guy to make room for Jamon Brown once he's officially joined the 53, or if it's looking at another wide receiver. We know JoJo Natson has really found a spot on this team. We don't have to worry about where he's going. We need that kick return, punt return guy. And with 22 yards per average on a return, I think he really solidified his spot on the team. Question next is, is who's going to go, right? You know, Maybe there's Troy Hill. Marquise Christensen, but he's played great. And it's going to be interesting. The Rams have definitely put a business side about this uh, moving forward. And we also have Mark Barron, who we hope will be back for this game. He already has himself a roster spot, but we hope that he will actually have an active roster spot and he'll be out there participating on Sunday. We'll have more about that throughout the week. Well, as we started this episode, I'm going to recap it and put us back into a great place, a great mindset. It's late here at Monday night, recording our Tuesday edition, which will be up first thing in the morning. And we are 2-0 on top of the division. And one of our favorite teams to see struggling is struggling, and that's the Seattle Seahawks. They are 0-2 after this Monday night game. They're at the bottom of the division. Arizona Cardinals are joining them in the basement. And then there's San Francisco sitting at 1-1. They've got the Chiefs this Sunday on the road, so that's going to be a tough one for them. So before you know it, I mean, we got to get through week three ourselves, and we'll talk about that tomorrow with the boys from Lockdown Chargers, but you know, we could have a two-game lead on the division here real quick, uh, the way these things shake out. Seattle returns home to face Dallas. That's their home opener. And Arizona's in trouble again with another nasty defense as the Bears go into the desert for week three for their matchup. No complaints about where we're sitting right now in the NFC West and the way that this team is coming together. I'm actually really excited for the challenge that's coming this week with the Chargers. I mean, we can't blow out everybody, can we? What? Maybe we can. All right, Rams Nation. With that said, you know what it is. Until next time, peace. Want you to see everything. Want you to see everything.